104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. Here we are back in the studio once again on a beautiful, I mean, absolutely gorgeous December day. First of all, I want to start out the show today by thanking everybody that came out to the Toys for Tots ride today. I was out there earlier with Mike the intern, and we donated some some toys, my wife and I did, and I was amazed at how many how many motorcyclists were out there. It had to be three, four, five hundred motorcyclists. And they're all bringing toys for a great cause. So I want to say thanks to everybody that participated in that. Secondly, I want to say thanks to Ned Reynolds for showing up again. How are you, Ned? (laughs) Hey, now, just for point of reference, I've made it more of these shows than you have because you missed one uh, last year, I think it was, or two years ago. No, I'm sorry. You were late for one. I was late. Yeah, I was late. Don't get on my case, man. Come on. No, I'm I'm just happy that you're here, that you just decided (laughs) not to go, you know what? I'm not going to hang out with you anymore. (laughs) No. We're done. We're done, man. It's all over. In the studio with us today is John Oliver. John, how are you? I don't like when mommy and daddy fight. <laughs> no, other than that, I'm a-okay. We love each other. It's not your fault. We just don't get along that well anymore. Okay. Sitting over here is Josh Roberts wearing his Alabama hat. Josh, how are you? Oh, I'm great. And you know what? Right before we went on air, Ned was yelling at the TV, Don't run backwards, for God's sake. Okay. it's <laughs> good life advice. Actually, 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 that's pretty well paraphrased. It really was. <laughs> Let's get straight into it and find out about uh, Ned's uh, Who's Hot in the NFL brought to you by All Service Air Service. Well, hot is uh, really a relative term. You have to really like the Green Bay Packers because they're putting it to Philadelphia. Of course, everybody else in the world has put it to Philadelphia. <laughs> Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh and uh, Kansas City, of course, are, and not necessarily in that numerical order, are certainly the top teams. No question about that. Uh, I did not know until just the, you guys told me about the Raiders just barely escaping today. Everybody thought the game last week against Atlanta was an anomaly. It may not have been. Uh, the... The whole game may have caught up with Las Vegas, and they're not playing very well. Anytime you squeeze by the New York Jets, and they did on a Hail Mary, mm. that, uh, that is significant. But uh, Packers are playing very well. The New England Patriots guys who were given up for dead are blanking the Chargers in Los Angeles at this they moment. Are. Hey, watch out for these guys. They could be eligible for the playoffs. And of all teams to go belly up today, how about the Tennessee Titans? Mm. That one, wow. I mean... That was a shock to me. That was a tough game to watch if you were a Titans fan. Baker Mayfield, four TDs in the first half. And, Ned, here's the thing, though. The Titans made a game of it because of some mistakes late. Baker, you know, fumbling on that third down carry, that's that's something as a quarterback you can't do. But, but the fact is that Cleveland got that huge lead and then did hold on and gets a win, and the Browns are playing very well. They're going to be in the playoffs somewhere along the line. Yes. Yeah, I kind of um, feel like the – the Browns parked the bus in the second half. You know? <laughs> May have. And, and in, in the NFL, that allows these players to score more. But do we lead into tonight's game? Do you want the opinions on that? Well, let's let's talk about last week's game, but I do I want to say this quickly before we get into that. Don't sleep on the Falcons. They start off badly. They won four in a row up until mm-hmm. today when they lost to the Saints, and that was a close game, 21-16, and the mm-hmm. Chiefs have them in about three weeks. That's right. So that's a team not to sleep on. I wouldn't call them hot, no. but I would say that they're better than what their record indicates. 
Let's talk about last week's game to start. I'm curious to get the the panel's view of last week's game because I have some very strong opinions about last week's game that Mike, the intern, did not agree with. Ah. But we'll start with you, Neb. What did you think about? I never never really felt like the Chiefs were going to lose the game, even uh, no. when they when Tampa Bay made the comeback on that, and the Chiefs were kind of playing uh, mediocre, if not methodical, football. They were just, you know, taking care of things as it turned out. They had 17 points to start out with and had the lead, and they knew they could beat Tampa Bay, and that was really the the feeling that I think they tried to uh, pervade as far as the entire scenario was concerned. And I I did not think they were ever going to lose it, and they didn't, as it turned out, even with Tampa Bay having the last second opportunities. It did just did not resonate that they were going to fall in that game. And that's that's the way Kansas City plays. They come up with these big explosions. Uh, that has me just a tiny little bit bothered about their the level of their attack because they, they score in bunches and then play very oh, I guess moderate football for much of the game, then all of a sudden they'll explode and do something. It's very much like the Super Bowl of last year. That I it, that could catch up with them somewhere along the line. Maybe not tonight, but tonight's game does fall into that trap category, and I'll explain that in a little bit. John, your thoughts? A couple of thoughts on this. You know, Mahomes had a huge game. I mean, there's no no debating that. I think he had over 460 yards. What people may not, who didn't watch the game, may not realize is in the first half, McCole Hardiman, after the two big scores with Tyreek Hill, was wide open, would have been an 80-yard touchdown pass, and he dropped it. As much as I like Hardman, it's one you got to catch. Uh, I'm a little disappointed, and I know, Ned, you said at no point did you feel like they were going to lose. I just don't like that they let teams back in after you've got to put them away. I hate to use the aggressive phrase, you know, step on the throat of, but I feel like you've got to put this away because a couple of missteps, and that could have been an entirely different outcome last week yeah josh your thoughts on the game oh i well i mean i i don't want to just reiterate what these guys have said but i i am a little concerned about that as well because they do tend to take their foot off the gas they have the ability to blow teams out and they don't and i think the reason they don't is maybe out of respect for their opponent or maybe they get a little complacent or they get a little too cutesy and it does worry me a little bit because if Granted, they're not playing from behind this season like they did so many times last year, but that could all change once we get down to the playoffs and, and the, the nitty-gritty here. And so I I wish that they would adopt the philosophy that I've mentioned before about the old Showtime Laker era where they were so far ahead at the end of the third quarter that none of the starters played before. <laughs> I wish that the Chiefs would do that. The game was really in their hands uh, up until the point when the fumble, Patrick Mahomes' fumble, and then uh, I thought that if they'd scored in that drive game over, you really don't have to watch the rest of it. Right. But I felt, and Mike and I discussed this this week, that I, that was one of the worst games I've seen the Chiefs play as a whole. And he, of course, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> then talked about all the first quarter statistics, which, granted, they were amazing. I called it. I totally said mm-hmm. That Tyreek Hill was going to have a big you game did. You did. because I think it's a pick your poison thing when you play the Chiefs. Are you going to take away the short game? You're going to take away the long game, and teams have been taking away the long game. And it was obvious coming out that Tampa Bay was like, we're going to take away those dink and dunk plays, and that left Tyreek Hill and Nicole Hardman wide open a couple of times. 
But there were a couple of things in that game that troubled me. There was a, a play late in the game, Ned, that I wanted to get your opinion about, where Patrick Mahomes, he got hit and was saved by a, a hitting, a, a yeah, piddle yeah. to the head. Oh, yes. But before he got hit, he was on his back foot, and it was that total Brett Favre, <laughs> I'm going to throw it up, and whoever comes down with it, that's going to be all right. And I hate that. Yeah. What were your thoughts? Well, number one, I didn't think the penalty should have been called. I think it was in Dominican Sioux, but I'm not 100% I believe positive. you're correct, yeah. But it was obvious that the player going in, now I've, I've talked to my buddy Larry Nemers about this, and he said it doesn't matter what – when it, the man hit the other man with the on the helmet, yeah. and that is not allowed. It was obvious that's not what he was trying to do. He was trying to yeah. block the pass with his arm. Well, it came down, you know, and hit his helmet, so that was a roughing the passer penalty and a legitimate call. It also happened a little bit later on on consecutive plays where the Chiefs made yes. the same mistake yes. on mm-hmm. back-to-back, back-to-back plays. Back-to-back plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank so, Clark. Yes, Frank <laughs> Clark. Frank Clark not, not using his head. But in terms of... In terms of the legitimacy of the play, is that what you meant, Joe? As, as far well, as- just the way uh, – that was one of the things I've always been concerned about with Patrick Mahomes is that mm-hmm. it is, as we've not seen that from him, that that kind of, oh, I'll just do it. We'll see what happens kind of thing. The Bre- and Brett Favre was famous for that, I, if you know what I'm oh. talking about. Oh, that yeah. just I'm going to be on my back foot, and I'm just going to throw it up, and I hope that somebody on my team catches it. And that was one of those plays, and that disturbed me. Well, That's- we don't know what went through his mind. He may have felt like he could, had a receiver downfield and was all set to throw it. It was off the back of his foot. That is true. But the fact of the matter remains that – he, he is so good and so adept at what he is doing, and his football acumen is so so astute and acute that uh, he can get away with plays like that. Uh, if, it, if it turns out, some, not everybody's going to, it's not going to be perfect every time out. Yeah. That's going to be the, not going to be the case. But more times than not, it will be with him. He can scramble. He can do all sorts of things on an ad-lib basis. And Mahomes, other than that knee injury against Denver last year where his knee was dislocated, has really escaped any kind of very serious problem. Mm-hmm. Now, and he takes some licks back He there. does. My He's a tough guy. He's that, a tough guy. I can't continue. But fact of the matter remains, no, I, I don't fault him for that play at all. And he was able to make a win out of it because of the penalty. Fair enough. I thought, John, I'll get your opinion about this, that some of the play calling in the game was suspect too with I, the Chiefs. I absolutely agree. I mean, it <laughs> I think sometimes the Chiefs more so than other teams. I mean, we're watching history with Patrick Mahomes. There's no doubting that. But I think sometimes the play calling, and Andy Reid is a phenomenal coach, so take this criticism with a grain of salt, but I think sometimes they're more worried about records than the task at hand. And I honestly do think that. I think some of those, like what you mentioned, the the off-the-back foot, uh, that's just not a smart play. And, I mean, granted, you have a chance to break the the uh, passing record in that game, but is that really more important than still getting the yeah, W? I have to disagree with you, John. I don't think that is their motive. I think what they're doing and what Reed has said is, hey, you can play. You do whatever you want. You're a magician out there on the field. You have full control. You're free, and I'm not going to criticize you for anything you do. I really think that's what it is. I think records, not nah, hell with them. I think they're just <laughs> doing whatever. Yeah. I kind of see that, too. I feel like sometimes they get into a let's just play Sandlot football mode. Exactly. Uh, you know, exactly. And, and so they're they're doing some things that they wouldn't normally do if they were structuring their offense more. 
You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. We're about 45 minutes away from the pregame show. It is a Sunday night game. And uh, I'm sure that when the people were putting together the schedule, this game looked a little bit sexy. But <laughs> it's not. Let's be, let's face it. Um, any hopes that there would be a miracle last week with the Broncos and their quarterback situation <laughs> didn't pan out. Uh, who's who's starting for them today? It'll be it'll be Drew Lock. It's Drew Lock. He will be uh, he'll be the starting quarterback. And I'll tell you how that works too. When you do a little research. Uh, you find out NBC's thinking, yeah, they had the opportunity to flex this game. The The protocol is 12 days before, but I think that's been bent a little bit because of COVID-19. There are no crowds there, so what difference is it going to make? TV networks can make adjustments. But they didn't flex this one. Why did they not flex this one? Tell you exactly why. Because Patrick Mahomes is on national television, <laughs> that's and that's exactly what they right. want, and make no mistake about it. There are probably better games that were played today. But the fact is, none of those teams has Patrick Mahomes as the QB, and he is the star of the show, and we'll hear. And please, I think, I think these guys do a great job. I don't misunderstand, but we'll hear Mr. Collinsworth go uh, off and just gush about the man as being among the all-time. It gets a little old after yeah. a while. We know the guy's good. Let's talk about something I else. wanted to ask you, were they exposed to COVID, not available for the last Sunday no, night's game? No, no, game? no. It was by design. It was by yeah, design. This was part of the planning, and uh, Mike Tarico was to do the Thanksgiving game. He was to do that one on Thanksgiving night. And then the following Sunday night, well, Thanksgiving was moved to Tuesday, and uh, so he was elevated to Tuesday. No, it had nothing to do with COVID at all. It was all part of the oh. the uh, rotation that they're going through. We never know what's going on these days. It's just, a, <laughs> it's just an absolutely crazy world. I want to mention this, too. We are uh, taking care of you on Christmas this year. Well, during the Christmas season, we have these beautiful framed Chiefs jerseys. We've given one away already. We still have two in the studio, and then we have the Patrick Mahomes plaque. I believe it. that's next week. This next week, we're doing the Frank Clark one, which is right here. We're all staring at it right now, and Kaleidoscope is helping us with that. If you want to win that, you can sign up to do so at 1047thecave.com, or you can do it through the Cave app. We will have the pregame show for you in just about 44 minutes. It's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. We are at the post. Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. We're oh, 38 minutes away from Mitch Holtis, Dan Israel, and the guys taking over as they get set to play another big game, another conference game. We'll talk a little bit about that in just a minute. I'm interested to see because Ned alluded to trap game, and I'm always interested to get his opinion about that. First, though, let's find out what's brewing in college football. It's brought to you by Arctic Food Equipment. Ned, what happened yesterday? Nothing that uh, will shake up the rankings. Uh, all four of the top bowl teams did win. The The only problem, and, and Josh was pointing this out, and it is a problem, is Ohio State. They are the number four team with Clemson number three. Ohio State got a runaway massive victory over, boy, Michigan State and Michigan. The two universities there have really gone down the tubes big time. Michigan State was non-competitive yesterday. Ohio State just ran through them. at was 52 to 13 maybe or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and it wasn't even that close. No. And then this week, it's supposed to be Ohio State and Michigan 
which under normal circumstances is the <laughs> big game, but these circumstances are not normal. Number one, there won't be any fans. Number two, and they may not play the game. Number three, depending on COVID, if they don't play the game, Ohio State's in a world of hurt because they are not eligible for a bowl game. They haven't played enough games. This will be number six. If they can get it in, they'll play it. Uh, Clemson, easy winner. Clemson went to Virginia Tech and absolutely blew out the Hokies. Uh, as far as Cle- uh, Notre Dame and Alabama, Alabama's the best team. Alabama yep. is the Kansas City Chiefs of the of college <laughs> football, in my opinion. Just blasted LSU. LSU's having a terrible year. But still, Alabama took out all their vengeance on them. Notre Dame, interestingly enough, was a 33-point favorite over Syracuse. It's kind of slogged through the first half. And you knew you had a feeling this might happen. How could you be ready? The Irish knew this was their last regular season game. Wake Forest for next week's been canceled because it's not necessary. They don't need to play it. So why risk the COVID-19 circumstance? Notre Dame is into the ACC playoffs. Syracuse is having a terrible year. The Notre Dame team just kind of went through the motions in the first half, scored a touchdown at the gun to end the first half, and that was it. You knew they were going to blow them away then and did, 45-21 to over the uh, Orange. I still think a Notre Dame-Clemson game, which will be the ACC championship game, uh, will be... All Clemson, in my opinion. I just don't think Notre Dame is in that realm. Give them a good game, but I think Clemson wins that one. As far as the others, Texas A&M with a very good win. I watched with great interest Coastal Carolina and Brigham Young. The game was arranged on Tuesday. Why? Because Coastal Carolina was to have played Liberty. That's on the schedule. And they are both top 25 teams. But Liberty had a COVID outbreak, so they say, well, hey, how about this? Brigham Young is off. Brigham Young's independent. They're not a conference team. They're looking for all the games they can play. I said, sure, we'll come to Conway, South Carolina and play and almost beat them and almost beat them on the final play of the game. But did not. Coastal gets a win. Coastal's going to play for the Sun Belt Championship and probably win it, number one. But they're going to get a pretty good bowl game out of this, too, because they are kind of a Cinderella football team, and they're pretty good. There's no getting around the fact that these guys can play. Other than that, uh, the only other big surprise that that (laughs) I couldn't believe I was seeing it was Marshall, the number, oh, they're 16 or 17, somewhere around there, playing little old tiny Rice, and Rice shut them out. Oh, my. Rice shut them out 20 to nothing on five picks. Five interceptions, Ooh. and I think the game was in Huntington, West Virginia, I think, on Marshall's campus. That I Just how does that happen? It, well, it's part of football, part of sports. Slippery rock. Um, let's talk about this for just a second because I heard um, uh, Art Haynes allude to it earlier, and I wanted to find out more about it. Uh, Mizzou had a big, big game yesterday. Mizzou's game, uh, yes, from an exciting and fan appreciation standpoint, it was it was really entertaining. Fifty to forty eight was the final score. That's regulation. Fifty <laughs> to forty eight. Wow. And Missouri to win it scores twenty seven points in the fourth period. Wow. <laughs> now you're saying, Oh my God, what happened to the defense? And that's a damn good question. What happened to it? <laughs> Neither team. I have not seen even at the one double A level non-tackling like I saw in that game. It was abysmal. Mm-hmm. I don't know where these – and, and uh, the defensive coaches for both teams are supposed to be pretty good. Yeah. And here's uh, Barry Odom, the former Missouri head coach, now on the staff at Arkansas. He I, – I was astounded. Roundtree, Larry Roundtree for Missouri, is very good running back. Very good, tough uh, – <laughs> come on. 
You tackle the guy. That's what it's all about. Same with Arkansas's running back. Abysmal tackling. Anyway, Missouri, uh, first of all, I give credit to the Razorbacks. They score with about um, a minute and a half to go and go for and get a two-point conversion. And they take a 48-47 lead. The two-point conversion was a pass into the end zone that was deflected by a Missouri D-back right into the hands of the Arkansas receiver. Two points, 48-47, with less than a minute to go. Missouri went right downfield, got into field goal range, and their field goal kicker is pretty good. Blasted one through, ball game, 50-48. to 48. That was that the final. Wow. Yes, an exciting football game, but from an aesthetic standpoint, not very good. <laughs> no, no, Arkansas yeah. is calling it one of the greatest wins at Faroe Field ever, so, you know. Oh, you can look at it anyway, yeah. any way you want. Let's check in with our college football expert, besides Net Reynolds. It is Josh Roberts. Josh, what would you think of your Crimson Tide yesterday? Oh, I, you know, they're fi- they're at the top of their game right now. I mean, I they're the team to beat, not just because I'm a fan, but, you know, they are playing. Their offense is nearly unstoppable, and their defense – their defense had some moments in this game where I was like, come on, guys, you know you're better than this, and they've played better than that. But then it seemed like in the middle of the third quarter they really shut it down again. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy with the way they're playing. Uh, they are in the SEC championship. They'll play Florida in two or three weeks. I two, think it's the 19th, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. because next week they're supposed to play Arkansas. That's their last regular season game. And then they're – they will be in the SEC championship against Florida, and I think there's no week off now. It's right; it's the week after they play Arkansas, so I'm excited for that. Uh, Notre Dame is still overrated as always, <laughs> but they're about to have their comeuppance when they play Clemson. And you know what? I'll eat my hat if they beat Clemson because I'll if they pay can to beat see Clemson, that. Then they are a legitimate contender this year. Uh, Ohio State shouldn't even be in it. This is what Ned alluded to earlier. There's an attrition to football, and everybody that's seen it, you can see it. You see it in in the pros. You see it in college. For a team to have only played five or maybe even six games versus most of the other teams trying to slog it out and get eight, nine, or ten games in, they they don't deserve, in my opinion, to be considered in the top four because they haven't played enough games. They were in the top five without having played any games. I know, games. they were number three. And so and sh- I point out, so was Penn State was in the top ten. Yeah. And we all saw how that turned out because, what, are they one and six now? Yeah. Guys, do not sell short the, the media and history of the game. That's exactly what we're looking at here. How good a draw are these teams for television? Right. Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Notre Dame's legit. They're undefeated. Are they as good as these other teams? No, not in my opinion. They're not, uh, and I will. I would think that both Alabama and Clemson will handle it. Notre Dame's going to be in the playoffs regardless of what happens. They're going to be a Final Four bowl team, even if Clemson blows them out. I predict they will still Ooh, be there. See, I don't like that. That's the way it is. They're Notre Dame. I know. Well. I know. But I, <laughs> but see, this, you know, and that's something that they were talking about yesterday about the Alabama game. They said even if Alabama loses the SEC championship, they're going to be in the top four. I don't agree with that logic. I know I I agree Alabama's the best team in in college football but if they lose the SEC championship that should drop them out of the top 4 in my opinion 
Well, they're yeah. not going to, number one. Well, I but, know. <laughs> yeah. but, and and but, then it comes back to what you just said. I mean, it's, a, it's about marketing. It's about money. It's about the, the biggest revenue, especially right now when they, they're not making any revenue off of the fans being in the stadiums. They're trying to augment that revenue with TV revenue. And this year is such an anomaly that it's oh, really yeah. unfair to make a criticism in terms of numbers of games played because you are running into a circumstance. Uh, what other teams would there be who could take their place? Maybe Texas A&M, but they've lost a game. And then the others down the line. Is there anybody else who really fits the bill in terms of marketing and TV exposure and things like that? And the answer is no. Well, yeah, and I, I agree with you there. But I, I as, a, as a college football fan, I would rather see Coastal Carolina get thrown in there, even if they get annihilated. <laughs> well, because I mean, they're undefeated. And, they, and in this weird year, they deserve a shot. It comes down to uh, it's the only sport where this happens, where it's manipulated. Yeah. So that these teams can end up in the top spot. So the season's almost superfluous because somebody will find a way, some computer element or even the human element will find a way to make an argument that that team should be in the top four and everybody's, well, well, that's okay because they're RPI or they're blah, 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 or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And most of the times, you know, most of the time it does come down to competition. I think Alabama looks so good some seasons because they're not playing anybody. And then when they get to the championship games and they're playing good teams, I don't, I'm not saying that Alabama's not as good or not better than the teams that sometimes beat them. They just don't face the competition. I'm going to slightly, slightly disagree, but okay. it has nothing to do with your philosophy there. You are right, but it's not the only sport. The same thing happens, in my opinion, blatantly in basketball. Oh, yes. When you come to choose the uh, top 68 teams to be in the yeah, NCAA I agree with that, yes. You will not tell me that some of those teams aren't chosen because of who they are. Mm-hmm. Case in point. Yeah, I agree I with you. go back to 2005, uh, 2006. And here's Missouri State with an RPI of 21. Yeah, that's right. I remember it well. Who? Well, you see, they lost a game. Rubbish. Absolute it is absolute rubbish. rubbish. They should have been there. They should have been there two, two or three other times and got, got jacked out of there because of who they are. If they'd only listened to us, if we were the people in the room making the decisions, <laughs> who knows what would happen. We're about 27 minutes away from pregame. It's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. It is Ned Talk. I'm Joe Weston sitting with Josh Roberts, John Oliver. Of course, Ned Reynolds, he's the namesake for the show, so that's why he's here. Ned, it was a beautiful weekend. Did you put up your Christmas lights? I'm glad you mentioned that Chiefs game tonight, too, because it's going to be... <laughs> Come on, Joe, you're putting the pressure on. No, I didn't. <laughs> Ebenezer Scrooge over here. Let's get the injury report from John Oliver. Is brought to you by Morrison, Webster, and Carlton. Well, it's a positive week if you're a Chiefs fan again. Uh, Edwards Hilaire is questionable. I do hear that he is going to play today. Uh, Denver, their offense is a little beat up right now. Jerry Judy is questionable. Philip Lindsay, who's had some big games for them when he's played, is questionable. Uh, Malik Reed, their linebacker, is questionable. And then Trey Marshall, their safety, is out for tonight's contest. So it's a uh, quite the extensive 
injury list. Let's get, Ned, you alluded to this earlier, and I want to get back to this trap game. Well, Why? first Why do you of all, think that- <laughs> Kansas City has been really fortunate this year without any really serious time-consuming and player-consuming injuries. They've uh, they've been able to escape, and that's to their good fortune. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that has to do with their training. That's number one. Number two, guys, let's think back to that Denver game out in Denver in the snow. You had two huge plays. Now, first of all, the Chiefs are a better team. They're better than Denver, They're better personnel than Denver. Still, it is pro football, and a lot of interesting things can happen. But the Chiefs had two huge plays. One was the 101-yard kickoff return by McCole Hardman. The other was the uh, Larry, uh, Larry uh, the D-back, the defensive back who picked off the pass and went in uh, for the touchdown. Sorensen, is that it? Oh, that uh, Daniel Sorensen. Daniel yes. Sorensen. Mm-hmm. Daniel Sorensen is who that was. Anyway, anyway, those were two big plays. Other than that, it was a 29-13 to 13 game. It ended up being 40-13 to 13 or 41-13, to 13, whatever. But those two key plays really took a lot of starch out of Denver. Now, this Denver team has been through some very serious valleys and very few peaks this year. They're just not not all that good a team. Well, they're coming out of a valley here. They'll have all three of their quarterbacks eligible, as they were not last week. (laughs) What can they do to Kansas City? They can catch the Chiefs asleep. And this is not a bad defensive team. Yes, they they have some vulnerabilities on defense because of injuries. But Von Miller, for instance, isn't playing this year. He would have been one of the big targets. They have the ability to give the Chiefs a tough time. I am looking for a game in which you know, it, it would look like a blowout here. The Chiefs are a 13-point pick. I think it will be a little bit closer than that, and I think it may be a lower-scoring game. But I do think Kansas City wins it tonight. John, what do you think? Uh, before I get to the Chiefs, one quick note. I did guarantee that the Baltimore Ravens would defeat the Pittsburgh Steelers, not knowing <laughs> that the entire roster of the Ravens would be on the COVID-19 list. However, I do want to call attention to that game because, as Ned says, it's still professionals. And be it Robert Griffin III and Trace McSorley or not, the Steelers won that game by five points. They sure did. They had to struggle to do it, too. So for, going back to the Chiefs, though, today, I do think they'll win. I don't see this as a trap game. However, Denver can definitely make things interesting. And with Locke in there, no, he's not probably the superstar of the future. But the times he's played Kansas City so far, he's looked great. Josh, what do you think? Is this a trap game or uh Every game is a trap game <laughs> for the Chiefs. Oh, and it was nice to have a Wednesday afternoon doubleheader football game <laughs> right. you know, yeah. under the lights of Wrigley Field. <laughs> yeah. That's the weirdest thing ever. Well, who Wednesday were the starting afternoon. pitchers in that game? Yeah, anyway. who right. were the starting pitchers for that one? You Fergie said? Jenkins, I think, was on the <laughs> hill Robert that day. The third. But uh, I, I feel like, again, uh, if the Chiefs come out and play a solid game and don't take their foot off the gas this should not be a close contest but they tend to take their foot off the gas and I don't I can't even name a player on on Denver's team right now <laughs> except the ones you've already named today so I don't know I don't know what else to say about well, them. They, they are it is not a, a very good team that they've gone through a lot of injuries a lot of players opting out it's just been a just a, a very frazzled circumstance in Denver and I really don't think that epitomizes the franchise at all. I think they have the ability and the leadership 
uh, with Elway there as as to make a good team somewhere along the line. But right now they should get beaten rather substantially, but I'm not so sure that's going to happen. I think Kansas City wins, but I do think that it may be a little bit closer just judging by what the Chiefs have done in the past. I think from this point forward we should talk about the woes of the Broncos and call it the curse of Tebow. Well, uh, I don't know what to say about that, but let's uh, check in with John. He's going to give us his fantasy picks. It's brought to you by Fazoli's. Yeah, an interesting fantasy pick this week because this is somebody I actually recommended other receivers on this same team to pick up. This is why you never really give up on talent in the NFL. T.Y. Hilton looked to be done earlier this year. He had a shortened season last year, had a couple of pretty serious injuries. Started super slow this year. You've got the new quarterback there in Rivers. The last two weeks he has come on. Last week was an 80-yard game, and a lot of that did come in trash time. But this week, this wasn't trash time, and he had eight receptions for 110 yards and a touchdown. That's vintage T.Y. Hilton. So if he's been dropped and he's out there on your waiver wire, not a bad idea to pick him up for the stretch run here. Are you surprised by how bad the Houston Texans have played this season. They got beat by by the Colts today. And Colts are not a bad team, but they're not a great one by any stretch of imagination. But um, they beat them today. I think a lot of it has had to do with the way they started the year. Kansas City whipped them pretty good on a Thursday night. That took a lot of starch out of this team. They've also had key injuries. Of course, every team has the injuries. But I think they probably have been affected a little bit more by COVID than some of the other teams. Mm-hmm. Fact of the matter remains, though, they have been a major disappointment this year this team has not played well they have lost games that everybody thought they were going to win and they really haven't been a factor I'm yes I think it has been a big big disappointment I think morale plays a big part too with that team and I I can't understate the importance of that uh you know with losing DeAndre Hopkins on what nine times out of ten I think any expert would tell you was a horribly lopsided trade in the offseason mm-hmm. And then, you know, Will Fuller was really that target for Watson. He's out five games for a substance abuse violation now. So they're, I don't think things are going to turn around for them this season. The uh, We've got the game on the Packers and the Eagles game right now. It is 23-3, but it looks like the Jalen Hurts era is beginning right now because they have not gone back to Carson Wentz. And and that's a very significant point, too, because Wentz did get the start and has gotten the start now for the last, what, four years. But uh, the fact is that the Eagles do have a plan for Hurts to get in there and carry out a number of plays, but now he is playing quite a bit more and he shows a lot more aggressive ability. And it isn't necessarily ability but the the fact that he is a quicker player Mm -hmm. and comes from a product of being quick well we talk about this a lot the philadelphia's offensive lines porous they're terrible and carson wentz is on his back more than he is standing up straight so if he could play for a team let's throw this out there if he could land maybe in new england Mm -hmm. somebody someplace like that where he could stand up a little more carson Wentz is not done as a quarterback but jalen hurts can definitely do some things for this team you might be seeing the future right here we've seen Wentz plays too much uh, both in college and in the pros to know that he is not capable of doing a lot of things he is he's a very good quarterback and a very astute nice pass right there but he has no front line in front of him philadelphia's front line is really bad now correct me if i'm wrong but weren't they talking this morning on one of the pregame shows about how much money they have tied up with carson winslow it's a lot 137 million and that's part of their problem is nobody is going to 
buy that contract out. Yeah, you're going to have to cut him probably. Yeah. yeah. And you're going to see that probably at the end of the season, if, especially yeah. if Jalen Hurts plays well the rest of the way out. Yeah. We're about 13 minutes away from the start of the pregame show. You're listening to Ned Talk. We're right here on 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. It's Josh Roberts playing the piano on our uh, on our board here, so we can hear him. Um, Forty three right now in Kansas City. It's going to be a cooler night there, but uh, weather shouldn't play much of a factor. Let's check in with Ned Reynolds one more time and ask him about his Player of the Week. It is brought to you by Mid-Missouri Bank. My Player of the Week and player for this game is going to be Travis Kelsey, and I'll tell you why Denver is so vulnerable to big tight ends, and Kelsey may be the best tight end in the game, if that's an arguable arguable statement, but uh, he's pretty doggone good. One, uh, I think he needs, if I'm not mistaken, 22 yards. Okay, which could come on one play yeah, right. uh, yeah. to become a thousand yards for the fifth straight year, That's and Kelsey is Kelsey is just a remarkable athlete. But Denver is vulnerable to that. The tight end on little short ding passes, I th- I find him to be the player of the game tonight, and I think the Chiefs probably win. I'm going to go with the final score. Say Kansas City 31, and Denver. 17, 31-17. Oh, you know Dave Casper, that's for sure. <laughs> Let's check in with John. Who do you? Uh, who's your player of the week? What do you think is going to happen? Uh, my player of the week today, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say Lavian Bell has a big you game. stole mine. Oh, did I? I'm sorry. That's right. It's okay. Yeah, I, th- I honestly think, I don't know that he'll get 100 yards, but I think he'll be... he'll likely be right in the 70 or 80-yard mark. I think he'll have a really effective game. Josh. Hmm. Okay, I'll say it'll be Tyreek Hill again. Really? Yeah, he'll have another huge game. They're going to take away the dink and dunk to start, and Tyreek's <laughs> going to burn him? I don't think they're going to take anything away. I think I think this, this could be a 700 yards of offense game for the Chiefs if they want it to be, so... But yeah, I mean, I think I think Tyreek Hill will have some a couple of big catches and a good total overall, so he'll be my player of the game. I'm going to go with the Lair then. Since uh, you uh, have chosen Le'Veon Bell, I'll go mm-hmm. with him to have a big game today. Those guys have been working well in tandem. I yes, like that running have. back tandem because they're different styles of runners. They're both small, but Le'Veon Bell, uh, when he hits somebody, <laughs> they get up knowing they got hit. <laughs> oh, I've yeah. been impressed by the way that he's played. I've been impressed with him as a player on that team yes. so far with all the bad, bad press coming in. We talked about this last week, but I want to get your opinion about it. Uh, the season can be broke down into quarters. 4-0 the first quarter for the Chiefs. 3-1 second quarter. I'm going to go out on the limb here and say they're going to go 4-0. <laughs> that final quarter is going to be a little bit of a tough one. They've mm-hmm. got Miami, which is a new-look team, look a lot better. Yeah. They've got New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Then they've got Atlanta. Atlanta's been playing well, and then they end up the season with the Chargers. The Chargers played them really tight in that first game. That's where they could falter a little bit. What do you? How? What's your prediction for the final four, Ned? The 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 playoff teams final four? No, the the, the Chiefs. No, the final four games. Yeah, what I do you, think what? they. I think they win against Miami next week. I do look for New Orleans to really, really give them a tough time. I think Atlanta will come in and probably try to smack them upside of the head. 
But the Chargers are so frenetic in their attitude. Mm-hmm. They're getting beat today 35 nothing at yeah. home by the Patriots. I, I think the Chargers get run out of the ballpark, depending on what the circumstances are and in terms of standings. And, again, it runs the gamut of do the Chiefs really want to put away a team or do they, they want to – uh, in fact, kind of play and take their foot off the pedal. And I think that falls into tonight's category at, Excuse me, <coughs> as well. There's just so many variables involved. It's 38 to nothing now. The Chargers are getting beaten. Boy, that just shouldn't not have happened and at home. I think they're, yeah, getting beat at home, too. Yeah. yeah. So, John, what do you think? This last uh, five games on the schedule, what do you think? What's the record? Uh, for the last five, I'm assuming they'll win tonight. So let me say the last four. Um I'm going to go with them to go three and one. And here's my reasoning behind that. Oh, I, look at this. Eagles oh, going to run one wow. back, going to run it back. Yeah. Touchdown. Nice Eagles. work, Eagles. 23. 23 to 17. That's right. Yeah. New <laughs> no, I mean, Justin Herbert's a talented quarterback. I don't, the Chargers have looked in disarray the last couple of weeks. I don't think it's going to happen this year for them. Now, I don't know of a worse possible time for them to play the Falcons. So I see that being the game that they may lose. What do you think, Josh? Well, I think it's all going to depend upon once they've secured a, a number one spot for the playoffs and do they want to rest players. That's the, the X factor when you get into this last quarter of the season is if they've already secured the best spot they can in the playoffs, what are they going to do? I think it's very possible that they could go two and two because of that. Mm-hmm. Really quickly, around the panel, Steelers go undefeated. Ned? No. John? Absolutely not. Josh. Yes. All right. We got one. I I'll, I think they're going to lose a game somewhere near. And they're, of course, all of it rides on Roethlisberger, too, if he can stay healthy. Do they play the New York Jets? <laughs> oh. There's your poetic justice, guys. Yep. <laughs> I want to say thanks to everybody that helps with the show. Nick Fury, Renee Kinder, Corbin Campbell, and, of course, our very own leader, Mike, the intern, and thanks to you, Josh, John, Stormy, and Ned for being here. We're going to go to Ned's house and help him put up his Christmas lights. We'll see you guys next week for an early game. We'll be on the air at 10 a.m. It's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Get set for the pregame show. Seven The Cave, KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. Your home for the Kansas City Chiefs and Springfield's pure classic.